Be holy, for I am holy. The ushers weren't sure what to do. This homeless man, hair messed up, his clothing was torn and stained and smelly, came bursting through the door of the church. He didn't look anyone in the eye. He just kind of shuffled in. He walked through the door. One of the ushers kind of looked away so he wouldn't have to hand him a, a bulletin. The man went in. He found a spot to sit. Those sitting around him moved away. Parents made sure their kids didn't make eye contacts. The whispers started. A few glares went his way. He was isolated in the auditorium. The service started. They sang their songs. They took their offering. And then it came time for the sermon. And the homeless man got up. And he walked to the front. And he stood behind the pulpit and began to preach. You see, this church was in transition. And the new pastor was supposed to start the following week, but he decided to start the week before. And as they started to hear him talk, and as he brushed the hair from his face, they realized it was their new pastor. And he started to preach on Matthew 25. where I was sick, and you cared for me. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was naked, you clothed me. I was in prison, you came and saw me. But we, we didn't know. When did we do that for you? When you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. Be holy as I am holy. And he started to talk to the church. Were they being holy? I'm not going to judge that church. Because how many times do we succeed or fail? As I was studying for this, as I was preparing for this, I hear me. Our buzzer goes off here at the church. I go up and answer the door. Hi, I'm a Vietnam veteran. I'm hungry. I'm sleeping in my car. Can I have some help? Come on in. Would you like a cup of coffee? Would you like a warm shower? Here, we can get you some food. We, we can, well, I can't cook. Okay, well, let me pull some stuff together. And the staff here get together, and we pull some food, and 
some of the staff dig in their pocket and do what we're not supposed to do and gave him some money for gas. And then I apologized. I wish we could do more for you. You're welcome to stay here and stay warm. He said, yeah, I, I sleep at, at the place down here off 94. It's safe at night. Well, it's sort of safe at night. And then he made a comment to me. Because I apologized. I said, man, I wish, I wish I could do more. I wish we as a church could do more. He goes, no, I want to pronounce a blessing on this church. I said, what? He said, as you can tell, I'm an African-American man. I've been driving to every church here in Wright County. And every church has closed their door to me. You're the only church that's opened its door and invited me in. Oh, the shame. Oh, the shame. Why are we the only church that invited them in? So I'm not going to judge. Yay, we got it right once. But how many times have we missed out? Be holy, for I am holy. Let's look at the passage today. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded... Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. We began a few weeks back with that phrase, obedient children, children. Let's go back to that phrase. Children, I, I have a question for you. Are you a child of God? Do you belong to him. Has there ever come a time that you've become a child of the Most High God, a child of the King of Kings? Have you been, as Jesus has said to Nicodemus, have you been born again? First John chapter 1 says it this way, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor by the will of flesh, nor by the will of man, but of God. Have you been chosen and have you chosen? that's what it says have you received 
Well, Pastor, I was baptized. Great. But have you received? I prayed a prayer when I was four. Was it real? Well, how do I know if it was real? By that phrase. Obedient children. You see, friends, when we are born again, when we have become a child of God, he begins to work in us. He begins to work with us with the word obedient, not perfect obedience, not complete obedience, but a life of beginning to pursue obedience. It is a fire within you you can't explain, a desire that the natural man cannot cause by his or whole his or her own will, a calling not of this earth, but by the Spirit of God to pray, not my will, but your will, O God. My question for you today, is there that flicker within you that you cannot explain? Do you see God at work within you? And if you cannot, then Scripture is clear, my friend. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day for you to cry out to God and ask him to save you. You say, Pastor, that sounds so old-fashioned, so ancient. Friends, our need is the same as it's always been. We need a Savior to deal with our sin and to save us. So let me plead with you. Admit to Jesus today your sin. Admit to him your need for his salvation. Put your trust in him and his work on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and confess him as your king. If you'd like to do that, or if you do that right now, please talk to one of us. We'd love to walk you through what it means to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Talk to me right after the service or talk with one of our people. We will find the right person to help you find out more. But friends, it all begins here. Are you an obedient child? For if you do, the rest of the passage begins to make sense. Therefore, preparing your mind for action. Now, some of your Bibles put it this way, gird up your loins. And you're going, huh? What? Gird up my loins? What is that? Well, in the ancient times, first of all, it gives us two thoughts here. It gives us the thought or a picture of a marathon runner, and it gives us the picture of the, mir- the military. And, and what they would do is before they would run, they would tuck up their robe into their belt to free up their feet. Ladies, have you ever tried to run in a dress? I see some giggles. Yeah, it doesn't work. So they would take their robes, they would tuck them in, and it's saying, prepare your mind, prepare yourself to run. And run for the long haul. It's not a sprint. It's not a short race. So don't be distracted. And above all, don't be Rosie Ruiz. 
How many of you know that name? Oh, you youngins. 1980, Boston Marathon. Out of nowhere, this woman comes running across the finish line at the 1980 Boston Marathon. She sets a new women's Boston Marathon record. The crowd goes wild. They can't believe it. No one can believe it. Because it was too good to be true. You see, Rosie jumped into the race about a mile before the end of the race. In fact, they believe she took a taxi. She started at the beginning, got off the race, took a taxi to the end. When she ran the qualifying race in New York, she rode the subway. And so, she gets to the end, and they're going, she's not exhausted. She's barely wet. She's not sweating. And in fact, the lady who came in second goes, she's too fat. She can't be a runner. You see, she took shortcuts to get what she wanted. The writer here says there's no shortcuts. Prepare your mind for the long haul. Friends, the battle's going to be in your mind. The race is in your mind. Don't become distracted. Gird yourself for the long haul because that's where the challenge will take place. But it's also a military term. Peter's reminding us that this is going to be a battle for the mind. There's going to be distractions. Paul says to take every thought captive. Guard your mind from empty philosophies that are going to steal your joy. Prepare your mind for the battle. You see, the order would be given to gird your robe before entering into the life and death hand-to-hand combat. Believer, prepare your spiritual life for going to war. And then it says, and being sober-minded. Literally, it means do not lose control of your thoughts and actions by drinking from the world's system and philosophy. It's a challenge of being under self-control, having clarity of mind, clarity of discipline of heart, knowing your priorities, balancing your life so as not to be subject to the controlling and corrupting influences of this world. Have you ever been under control, under the control of a, of a substance? I have when I was in high school. I went in to have my wisdom teeth taken out. I remember going in, it was a busy day, and so my grandfather, my five foot four, five foot five inch grandfather had to take me in. And so I remember them strapping me to the table, putting the little 
IV in, telling me to count back from 100. I was going to be stubborn. My goal was to count all the way back and go, come on, guys, give me something. So I remember, 100, 99, 98. That's all I remember. I remember my grandpa helping me to the car. I remember us having to stop and, at the drugstore to get the medication that I was supposed to take. I remember being obstinate and saying, I want to go you into the drugstore. I remember Grandpa plopping me in a chair. I remember a lady there. Now, my mouth is full of gauze because they've just pulled all these teeth out, right? And I remember going, I have my wisdom teeth pull out, boom, and falling on my face. I remember a whole bunch of people running and putting me back up in my chair. That was fun. I don't remember how I got home. All I remember is that night, my mom coming to my bedroom saying, Greg, are you okay? And looking at him going, hi, mom. And I guess I had bled, so I had blood all over my face. And so she's yelling, ah! That's all I remember. The next day, when I was more coherent, I went to, to take a shower and clean up. And I, Mom, why do I have Selsun Blue conditioner for dandruff in my, in my shower? And she's going, because you insisted to your grandfather while you were in the drugstore that you needed this and that you would pay him back and you will pay him back <laughs> under the influence under the influence we've got some folks who can help our friend do we have a couple of our nurses who can go over and give a hand? All right. It's not fun. This is saying don't be that way. Because being under the influence can be spiritually deadly. Being spiritually under any influence other than the Holy Spirit, is guaranteed to be destructive to your spiritual life, even if it doesn't look like it in the beginning. So Peter says, stay sober-minded. Set fully your hope on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice that this is a command. Live with hope. Choose hope. Be full of hope. Why? Because hope is the opposite side of the coin of faith. Faith is trusting of God in the present for what God has already said and done in His Word, whereas hope involves trusting God for what He will do as promised in the Scriptures for the future. Fully means completely, perfectly, without reservation. Take it to the bank type hope. And on the same grace that brought you your salvation, 
that grace will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In fact, this way, this is the way it is in the Greek. It says, consider it a done deal. Jesus is coming, and you will receive that grace. Treat it as if it were already here. For a believer, it's never an if, but a when. The fact that Jesus is coming is never an if, but a when. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. What does that mean? Last week I used the word shalom, peace, in contrast to chaos. This week I want to paint another picture for you and use another metaphor that we find in Scripture. It is everywhere in Scripture. The Bible uses the contrast of darkness and light. Darkness is pictured as that which is devoid of God and His order. It is in rebellion against His holiness and goodness. We are told in 1 John that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. God has no sin, no unholy part. He is pure. Light is a beautiful metaphor for this as light can never be soiled or dirtied. Oh, it can be viewed from a dirty lens, but the light itself is still pure. This world is filled with the darkness of sin, and God reveals his light first through Jesus Christ, who is the light of this world. He is the light that shines in the darkness, according to John 1, and the darkness cannot extinguish it. God chooses to reflect his light in the Old Testament through Israel, who, according to Isaiah 42, is given to be a light to the nations, a light to lead them to God, a light to lead them to his holiness. And in, New, in the New Testament, you and I are called to be his light. We who have born, been born again into the body of Christ, let me show you a few of his verses. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Acts 26, 18. To open their eyes that they may turn from the darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness from sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Ephesians 1.18, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can, be, you can understand with the confidence of hope he has given to those he has called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Philippians 2.15, so that no one can criticize you Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. And finally, 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Get this, a holy nation, 
a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do you see the connection of holiness and light? We have been called by God to bring his light into a dark world. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. As we bring God's light into a dark world, we are being holy as he is holy. So my question for you today is very simple. Are you bringing his light into your dark world? And if you are, how are people responding? Notice how they responded according to Jesus. They gave glory to God. Not glory to you, but glory to God. You see, friends, this is more than simply doing good deeds. This is doing good with a holy mission to share the light of God. It is sharing the message of hope with this good deed. It is so that they know our Father in heaven. It's being more about Him than about us. What does that look like? How do we bring light into our darkness? May I tell you a story? A friend of mine's father lived in a small town in Iowa. And one of his favorite things to do was take his dog and go up and down and walk the town square. And because of its location, this town attracted quite a few vagrants and they would hang out at the square. He would go down and engage the people in conversation and sooner or later he would talk with them about Jesus. He had so many conversations and Sometimes this conversation would start a relationship that might last for a few weeks or even months before they moved on. And because he was so authentic and real and trying to bring the light of Jesus to them, he would invite many of them to his home for dinner. So it wasn't uncommon to have an extra plate set at the dinner table. One night, he brought a lady to the house. She was kind of rough looking. They sat down to eat, and the first thing the kids noticed was a very, very strong odor coming from this lady. They ate dinner. The kids, my friend said, he said it was the hardest dinner he had ever had. His mom pulled 
the dad aside and said, we, we've got to talk with her. If she needs a shower, let's give her a shower. If she needs clothes, let's give her clothes. Let's help her. And so they gently pulled her aside and said, you know, sweetie, we love you and we fed you, but you have a strong odor. Can we help you with this? And she said, it's, it's my head. It's my head. It, it, it smells. I, I got sunburned there a while back, and it, it, it just smells. And she would wear bandana wraps over it. And so they went and they began to unwrap that very gently. They pulled off one and then another. And then they got to one wrap that was rotting on her head, and they got to the bottom, and then they were shocked. Because underneath the rotting one was open sores and rotting flesh and even maggots. They began to gently clean the sores the best they could, and then they said to her, Sweetie, this is horrible. Let us take you to the hospital. They took her to the hospital. The hospital cleansed her wounds. The hospital uh, asked her to come in daily for the next few weeks so that they could tend to her wounds. They were so bad. And so during that process, she was a regular at this house. His parents paid for her medical needs and even rented a room for her at a local apartment. The spiritual conversations got deeper and one day she realized her need for a savior and she gave her life to Jesus Christ. She became part of the local church. She began reading her Bible. Her head healed with many scars and thinning hair. But more than that, her heart was healed. And she went from eternal death to eternal life. Now the day came when she moved on. She stopped. She said goodbye to the mom and dad. She cried and shared that no one had loved her like they had. Now they never heard from her again. But this is what holiness is about, bringing light to darkness, being in complete abandonment for the love of Jesus Christ. Does your life bring the light of God, the holiness of God, into someone else's life? Are they so blessed by the light of God in you that they praise God? Remember, we're not called to simply do good, but to bring the peace of God to hearts filled with chaos. To bring the light of God to hearts filled with darkness. The holiness of God to hearts filled with sin so that they might find the hope of God in Jesus Christ just like we did.
We are called to be holy as He is holy. Amen.